The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Nine minutes after 8. And thank you so much uh, for tuning into The Forum at 8. Wondered why so many women are not uh, always accepted by society, and that simply for not having a child. Now, many have had awkward moments with their friends, with family members, uh, even co-workers and neighbors who simply do not understand why a woman would tell them that she's had trouble falling pregnant. And it's almost as if the woman is guilty of some serious offense. Society's need for couples and women in particular to bear children and uh, the concept of infertility has been around for centuries. It's nothing new. And but the stigma remains. So we're talking about people who are not childless by choice here. And so the question we are asking this morning on the forum at eight, as we discuss infertility, is how do we deal with stigma, with the shame, with the social inacceptability attached to infertility? And honestly, your views are most welcome because many people, women in the main are really, really struggling. Um, They have been called the most terrible of names. They've been ostracized in the most painful ways. And yet, you know, it's something that very often is beyond their control and sometimes is not even of their making. But these things happen. So tell us what your views are on this. 0891-104-208. You can tweet or Facebook us at AMLive on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Alternatively, send us an SMS to the number 34701. Joining us in studio, Miss Pillay. And uh, she wants to talk to us about you know, what she has gone through in the, you know, hoping that people would maybe find solace, you know, that she could help someone who is perhaps in a similar situation. And, you know, was listening to her story yesterday and it really is heart wrenching. Kept me up for quite some time last night. I struggled to sleep because one sometimes simply cannot understand the cruelty of human beings. And then we also joined by Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa, who's a urologist at the Sifako Mahato Health Sciences University. Thanks so much for your time as well, um, um, Dr. Shingai. Hello, hi. How are you? Thank you. No, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. Now, I'm going to start, uh, Dr. Shingai, let me start with you. When we look at infertility, firstly, perhaps we could start off by explaining what it is and, you know, um, what are some of the uh, causes of infertility? Okay. Um, thanks again. First of all, um, infertility is a, rel- a relatively common condition. About 15% of couples um, do are infertile, and basically, when you're trying to fall pregnant, it's a two-way street. You need both the, the the sperm and you need the egg as well from the female. Females produce an egg about once a month uh, in during this cycle, and that egg will live inside her womb for about four days or so. And then the sperm will, uh, when you a guy ejaculates, or if you're using artificial with reproductive techniques, the sperm need to be introduced into the egg, just one of them, to actually make the woman fall pregnant. And so essentially in a year, a female has about 12 chances of falling pregnant. And what's important to remember is that even if you do, if you are trying to fall pregnant, that even if the egg gets fertilized, about 50% of eggs will spontaneously miscarry anyways. And that's why when we're dealing with infertility patients, we don't usually do anything active for the patients until they've been having regular intercourse or having regular uh, sexual relations 
to uh, for at least a year because there is a uh, there is a lag time period. Let's put it statistically that each time a person has sex, you have about a three percent chance of making the partner fall pregnant, even if you haven't got a problem with fertility. And I think what's not understood by a lot of people is that you need both the male and the female parts. And this infertility, 15% of people, it's actually increasing year on year for various reasons, which I, we can maybe get into a little bit later. But the point is that you, you need to make sure that you do are having regular intercourse because even when a guy ejaculates, the sperm will only live inside the, 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 will live inside the female for about three days. And if you do have a problem with infertility, which as I said, you really should only need to get investigated after you've been having regular uh, coitus for about a year, about 50% of the time there's a problem with the guy, and about 50% of the time it's a problem with the female. So it's both partners that are need to be investigated at the same time, and it's not just a one-way street when it comes to infertility. Uh, Dr. Mervyn Jacobson, uh, thank you so much for joining us as well. Dr. Jacobson is a specialist in reproductive medicine at uh, Vita Lab. Now, looking at the South African situation, you know how common um, a problem is this in the South African society? Good morning, yes, and thank you very much for the invitation. It uh, is as was uh, just now expressed. It's about the same incidence, and there seems to be an international thing. About one in six couples has a problem with with infertility, um, and it can be relatively equally the male or the female, and in many instances it's a combination. I think I would change those statistics slightly and say 40% male and 35% female, about 20-23% uh, as a combination of factors, and maybe 1 or 2% where we have great difficulty in actually establishing the cause. So our society is really not very different from the rest of the world in that respect, unfortunately. And then I want to come to um, the social aspect of this, because given the stats uh, that you've just related to us, why is it then that females have to bear the brunt of uh, this particular uh, uh, social problem? Because, and I say a social problem because, you know, over the decades we've gone through changes, over the centuries rather, and it's gone from being known as barrenness to now by the medical term infertility. But in the main, the minute you say that, immediately people think it's the woman. Dr. Jacobson? Well, I think there are many factors that are involved here. Uh, there are social factors, there are religious factors. Most religions are patriarchal, and therefore men cannot be at fault, um, according to the religion anyway. Uh, and most societies, or a large number of societies, are patriarchal, and therefore men are above blame. And this has been... Uh, uh, perpetuated, and our society is in fact very sick and very distorted in this respect, so much so that uh, if you take a look at the medical aid uh, situation, infertility is not really regarded as, even as a disease. So you know, the, the general opinion is it's not that serious, although one in six couples has problems. So it is serious. It's very serious. Mm. Only Only 3% of People have diabetes, and yet everybody will do anything for a diabetic. But if one in six people has a fertility problem, not that serious. Indeed. Um, uh, Ms. Pillay, uh, you're in <laughs> studio with us here. Ms. Pillay. Ms. Pillay, um, our <laughs> Mrs. boss, uh, Mrs. Pillay. Um, thank you so much for, you know, coming through and, you know, um, basically offering to share with us, you know, uh, your story. Mm. And um, I'll have you start where you are most comfortable <laughs> with it.
Um, well, my story actually starts as a teenager. I had erratic menstrual cycle and my mom um, spotted the symptoms quite quickly and she uh, my first visit to a gynecologist was with my mother which was very comforting um, and as a teenager and continued to visit to, to do these annual visits to the gynecologist to be diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome which is little cysts on the on the ovaries and um, and some of the other tests that I'd done was, you know, I was glucose intolerant and I was constantly told by many gynecologists, even in, you know, I used to live in Durban and then moved to Johannesburg in both cities. You have polycystic ovarian syndrome. You're probably not going to fall pregnant or it's going to be very difficult for you to fall pregnant. And um, that kind of sat with me and, you know, for a while. Um, But I think the biggest change for me, uh, particularly from a mindset, was in 2005. I was diagnosed with uh, two meningioma tumors on my spine. It was a very... uh, uh, um, it was, the operation itself was incredibly intensive. The whole process of learning to walk again, uh, going to rehab. Um, I, I didn't realize the psychological impact that that entire operation had on my life only until I got married and was ready to start a family. And then I realized I had not fully dealt with the the. the the, the massive operation that I'd underwent in in 2005. And, and all I had playing in my mind was every single gynecologist telling me, you have PCOS, you are not going to fall pregnant, or the, it, it was three pieces of advice. Chances are you're not going to fall pregnant. You're probably not going to fall pregnant. You aren't going to fall pregnant. Um, and I... I realized that I just wanted to leave the situation alone, um, not think about it. What happens would happen. But from the social point of view, um, and this is the first time I'm sharing this, the only other person that knows the story is my husband. I'm I'm sure my mom will be hearing it for the first time now, is um, at a a family function, I was asked, uh, so how long are you married? And at about that time, it was about five years. Um, And they're like, so what's the delay with the children? And um, and I said, well, you know, we're just, you know, I don't want to now start giving my whole medical history. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, in, in all in good time. Um, and there, and then the one was like, oh, shame, you know, <laughs> that kind of then, you know, that starts to that make you feel like there's something wrong with you. And mm-hmm. the one incident that really. Um, took my the, the the psychological impact of what was happening to me to another level was when somebody close to me or you know related to me had said maybe 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 you're not meant to be a mother maybe it's not in the cards for you maybe god doesn't want you to be a mother and for me that was the most that was the turning point for me because as a young person, as a teenager, as an adult, I've always wanted to be a mother. Um, whether or not I by it's my biological by biological birth or by adoption, um, I knew that with my with my husband, we had the capacity to love and to bring uh, bring up a baby um, in this world. And I have to stress at this point, 
as a couple, we are not attached to the biological process. Um, we we want to be, ha, be just be parents, mm. be it via adoption or the natural methods. You know that that's where we were a, as a couple. But for for me, there were two things: the fact that every gynae that I went to, and even up until last year telling me this is going to be very difficult and your age is against you. Um, but what uh, something that else it added to the situation was um, the fact that I became diabetic uh, as a result of PCOS. Um, it's just one of the things that happens, can happen when you are diagnosed with PCOS and I'm insulin dependent. Um, so I, for the first time, my first glimmer of hope came when I went to the Center for Diabetes and Endocrinology in Houghton, a fantastic center. And I have to tell you, their bedside manner, the the way they tell you the truth without having to um, get you scared or, or uh, make you want to rethink the mm. process is fantastic. And can I tell you, for the first time in a long time, I've been told you will, you can and you will fall pregnant. You're not infertile. You are not going. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is just one of the things that make a difficult pregnancy. Um, but for now, your priority is to get your sugar levels in in uh, in check. Um, and, and that obviously that's going to be very important because of gestational diabetes, etc. Um, obviously, uh, uh, babies of diabetic women are often very uh, uh, overweight and it becomes a difficult pregnancy. But my first glimmer of hope, for, for the longest time, I thought I'm just going to give up. Um, I, I, I've had a battery of blood tests done over the past 10 years. Um, but recently, and I'd say in the last 18 months, uh, there's this glimmer of hope. And even if um, I, I am told that maybe you, you can fall pregnant, but we suggest you don't because of your age or we suggest you don't because of your sugar levels. I'm still fine with that. But it's what I don't understand is how the people around me react to the fact that mm-hmm. this is my age. I've been married for so long and I still don't have a baby. So I keep my, my circle close. It's my mom, my dad, my brother, my husband, my in-laws and a very tight circle of girlfriends. Who, who know, um, I think the thing is, I hate feeling sorry for myself. And they know that, and they know how to deal with that. So if you keep, I, my coping me- me- mechanism was to keep the circle small mm-hmm. so I could cope with it, um, and not to expose myself to the other people who, who don't have filters. I was like, oh, shame, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Oh, shame, don't you want to have children? <laughs> you know, it's it's not that. Um it's it's and and let me tell you somebody telling you oh shame you may smile grin and bear it but it does a little something to you inside as well and that for me is the saddest thing i mean i have fantastic support around me and you can still have days where someone's reaction to the fact that you don't have a kid right now um can get you down uh, in a nutshell that's basically mm. basically my story but but the good news for me is if I get my sugar levels under check for the duration of a pregnancy, I will have an insulin pump, which will help regulate my sugar as well during 
the nine to ten months of pregnancy. Well, I'm glad it got to this point yes. where you are optimistic and you can smile about it. But, uh, you know, and, and, and that's why I thought it's so important that you come and share your story um, just to, if nothing else, give hope mm-hmm. to other women um, or couples who are struggling at this point. But uh, we want to hear from you as well. Give us a call 891 Why is there this pressure, uh, you know, um, uh, by society on couples to actually bear children? Um, because, you know, if you can't, what are you supposed to do? Why is it such a big sin? Why do people feel that, do you like what was said by Mrs. Pillay's, um a relative to her? Do you have to call me Mrs. Pillay? Yes. <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> but, you know, the point is, you know, if, 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 if you'd like to share your story with us, we do have two medical experts with us. Um, uh, call us and uh, maybe we can talk to it, uh, talk through it rather, and uh, perhaps point you in the right direction. Uh, just a few uh, quick messages um, from uh, some of our listeners. Khumoto Maluleka says, the stigma is fueled by ignorant and hateful people. How do you attack a woman for what is not in her power to control. Mvuzom Belegane says, I've seen ladies going through hell, doing everything to fall pregnant, only to find out that the problem is with the man. Mm. It is really sad. And um, uh, Chinemo Elias says, um, the stigma is mainly caused by ignorant people and a lack of education as well. And a few on our SMS line also, apart from premature ovarian failure, what percentage of infertility is caused by sexually transmitted diseases? And also both a woman uh, without a man and a childless woman are ridiculed and it's almost seen as the mm. same thing. So those are some of the comments coming through. But perhaps we can try and address you know, some of uh, these questions. I actually read an article recently, um, and it just sprung to mind now, that there are some women who don't want to have children. Yes, and they by use choice. By choice, and they use the issue of infertility. Rather than saying, I don't want to have children, I'd rather use the issue of infertility almost to safeguard me from further questions and answers about my decision not to have a child. And, of course, that's okay because that's your decision. Um, but remember, this is the fact that one has to lie to say I'm infertile is an indication of society itself and how we, the pressures we place on women. Mm, it certainly is. Um, Dr. Shingai, apart from premature ovarian failure, what percentage of infertility is caused by sexually transmitted diseases? Oh, thank you. First of all, remember, uh, like Mrs. Filet is saying, that it is, uh, there, there, there are many different problems that can cause infertility. And premature ovarian failure is one. Polycystic ovary syndrome is, is one in the females as well. But remember, as we said, about 50%, if you're looking at the total stats, can be in men as well. And there's lots of reasons why that might be happening as well. A lot of it is to do with environment, we think. We think some of the lifestyle and social issues are going on, but it must be recognized that in the last uh, 30 years, about male, male fertility has dropped by about 50%. And so if you're looking at the reasons behind it, if you're actually specifically looking at the sexually transmitted infection, I wouldn't be able to give an exact figure, but you, we do know that if, uh, sexually transmitted infections can, and there are various types of them, there are the discharges, there's ulcers, there's also HIV and that sort of thing can significantly impact on infertility, both for females and for males. The females, it can be because of blockage of the tubes. But similarly, the men, most our sperm come from the testicles. They travel through a tube called the vas, 
which goes towards the prostate. And then, uh, of course, most of what a man ejaculates is not sperm. Less than 1% of what a guy ejaculates is sperm. Most of what comes out is from this prostate and the seminal vesicle. And that's why even if your semen looks normal, it doesn't necessarily mean there are even any sperm there. And that's why we need to do a specific test called a semen analysis, which is looking under the microscope at the semen to actually see what the sperm look like, see the numbers, see whether they're swimming properly, see what percentage of, of them are normal as well. And these sperm that are traveling through the vat can also be blocked. Those tubes can also be actually be blocked by STIs as well, as well as other issues that can cause uh, sexually transmitted infections can actually uh, impact on uh, fertility. Um, there's another question here, um, uh, Dr. Jacobson, uh, that uh, many people are asking, and, and this is about the use of um, uh, contraceptives and what sort of impact that could have on women being infertile. Oral contraception by itself doesn't uh, impact on the, uh, women's fertility in any way. Uh, we know that irrespective of the duration of usage, um, women will generally return to their previous cycle once they discontinue the contraception. The question that one has to be asked, that one has to ask, and this again is a social issue, is does the use of contraception allow more sexual license? In other words, if you are on a contraceptive, are you in a position to expose yourself to greater risks of sexually transmitted diseases? And this, again, is a social issue, not a medical one. Mm. And um, then uh, someone wants to know, uh, Mrs. Pillay, the clinic that you were talking about, what is the name of that again? I've been to various, but for the for the diabetes, mm-hmm. it's the Center for Diabetes and Endocrinology in Houghton. All right. Uh, tell you what, it's 8.30. It's time for us to take a news break. When we come back, uh, Grace, everybody else, we'll take your calls. 0891-104-208 is the number to call in on. SMS us on 34701. Tweet or Facebook AM Live on SAFM. 8.30, time for news headlines with Vavakshni Chetty Miller. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Welcome back to the Forum at 8. And this morning we're talking infertility. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with the stigma? How do we deal with the shame? And also, you know, the social um, unacceptability of this particular condition. And and also we have uh, two medical doctors with us who could also answer some of your questions in addition to uh, Mrs. Pillay who's sharing her personal journey. 891 that's our call-in number. SMS us on the number 34701. Tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Uh, just a few uh, quick tweets before I go to the lines. Mkot GP says, personally, I think culture messes up a lot of of things, hence there are myths, name calling, and insults uh, relating to infertility. Odiz says uh, public awareness and premarital counseling and classes could perhaps help couples to prepare uh, for such challenges. And Veronica, uh, Veronica Nyati says, I've been called names even though I'm single, never married, never tried to have a baby, and I'm not even sexually active. And uh, Funeka Ketchongwe says, uh, This is a, this is a darkness that haunts all women, regardless of race, single or uh, married. And the worst of all is that uh, the pressure that married women actually go through. So those some of the comments do keep them coming. Uh, AM live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Let's go to the lines now. Grace in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and to your guests. 
Um, I just like to say this is a great topic. Uh, I just feel like society in general is never satisfied with a person's stage in life. It's as if we always want you to move to the next level in, in, in a hurried pace. When you're in varsity, when are you going to graduate? When you start working, when are you going to get married? When you get married, when are you going to have kids? And after three or four, it's when are you going to stop? <laughs> so mm. um, just to hone it in a little bit more from the bigger picture of society and bring it home to family, friends, colleagues, when you know of a couple that have been married for two or three more years and you are aware that there's a desire for them to have children, I just feel it's so unfair and so insensitive to be constantly asking them, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? Especially when you know that they want them. I feel like people need to just relax sometimes. If you don't have anything to say, perhaps say it in a, in a nicer way and say, I'm, I can't wait for you to have children and I'm so happy for you. I'd be so happy for you. Something like that. But when you put so much pressure on a person, it's so unfair. It's like me knowing somebody that doesn't have a job and keep asking them, when are you going to get a job? Why mm. can't you find a job? Just find a job. As if it's just that simple. I'm just going to walk out my door and find a job or find a husband or graduate. You know, so I just feel like in life, when you know a couple or know a people that you are aware of children, so they say, I don't want them. And that's a different story. But when you are as a colleague, as a friend, as a family member, it would be very kind and sensitive to just not ask those questions continually because mm-hmm. it puts immense pressure on that couple. It makes them feel like there's something wrong with them. I personally, I got married young, and I've been married for three years, happily so. I don't feel like I'm under any pressure between my husband and I, but because people keep asking, you feel this immense pressure on you, and it makes you feel like there's something wrong with you, and there probably isn't anything wrong with you. So just generally as society and as family members of people and friends and colleagues, if we could just apply some more sensitivity, as with any stage in life, the next level will be desired. But if you keep on pressurizing a person, it makes them discouraged and feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, uh, Grace in Cape Town. Thank you so much. Uh, Tony and Mafi King, good morning. Hello, Sakina. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. What a great topic, you know. Well, I'm a 75-year-old man, married to a 65-year-old lady, living together for the past 46 years, and we love each other. Whoa, that's a long time to be married. Yes, but we had a child who passed away, of course, she was passed some time, she took 26 and she was 42 years. She left us with a grandson and a granddaughter. But people are calling us names since she passed away, you know, but we support each other. So, so, so they're calling and you names because you now are childless? Because your child passed I away? Mean, because your child passed away, they're now calling you names? Well, yes, well, you know how people are, you know. But fortunately, we support each other. Tony, what's we are quite happy. What sort of names? What, I mean, what are people saying? Uh, you know, especially my my wife is there, but I love her as she is. Oh. Because I'm not a woman either. You know, I speak to my wife. I support her wholeheartedly. Because my love to her is unconditional. And I think she is absolutely uh, blessed to have you, Tony, and vice versa. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that, uh, Tony, in Mahikeng. 35 uh, years, and, um, um, and of course, uh, you know, his daughter passed away, as he says. And even then, mm-hmm. even after you've had a child and the child dies, because that was your only child, society sees their way clear.
to call the wife names. The mind truly boggles. Uh, Kareem in Durban, good morning. Hello, Sakina, how are you? Well, and you? Quite a bit of a cold, but you can hear me, can you? I can. Sakina, we always forget the equation, the big equation, and the, and the big equation is the Lord, Almighty God. He's the biggest doctor in the world. Sakina, you look at this world today, people get affected with society, with people, well, just people. They'll say things. I mean, look at the world today. In some places in the world, there's so much of children. People don't want kids. They've got lots of kids. They take India. They're trying to cut these kids' hands off or kill them. They don't want them. And here, there are women who are looking or parents looking to, to have a child, and they cannot have a child. Sakina, my, my bottom line is this. You can do what you want to in this world. Try a medical doctor. Go to, you are supposed to do it. Not, nothing stops you. But please, I beg people, think of the Lord. If you haven't got something, it's meant to be for, for you so. It's not planned by you. It's planned by the Almighty God. And if people can just revert to the situation where, forget people if they tell you or not, child, because God has a plan for you, and that plan will only culminate at the time it has to culminate. And you'll have no say in it. You can go to the, the best gynecologist, go to the best person for any other reason, or even another doctor for any other ailment. If that plan is not in the hands of Almighty God to cure you, you'll not get cured. And I- Ah, we lost Karim in Durban there, but uh, I think we got the gist of what mm. Karim was uh, trying to convey there. And um, Tozamile Tiana agrees with Karim, says it's all about understanding the will of God because a child is a blessing from God. And then um, let's speak to Peter in Freyheit. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Hi, Peter. Good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Peter, please turn off your radio. Please turn off your radio. Okay. I'll turn it now. Okay. Thank you so much. Now, so what did you want to share with us? What I want to say is that, you see, I don't like people who listen to what people are saying. They say, they say, they say. Can't people just read the Bible and they know that God works in a mysterious way? Or if that lady can fall pregnant at that age, God can also make everything possible for anybody who believes in him. Let's trust in the laws. And God will work in a mysterious way in our lives. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Peter. And then, uh, you know, there are some uh, questions here, some comments uh, from our listeners uh, yet again. This one says, having had an ectopic pregnancy where the tube was repaired, are fertility pills effective? If so, what is the success rate? Uh, That's from Anonymous. Uh, uh, Dr. Jacobson? The fact that the tube is repaired doesn't mean to say it's working properly and it, a correct investigations need to be done before one plans any kind of further treatment. You can't assume because the patient's had an operation that the operation was a success or that the patient healed correctly. So the patient needs to have an x-ray to establish whether the tube that was damaged uh, um, is now healed and what the condition of the other tube is like to um, because one has to consider that at the time of an ectopic pregnancy, there's a lot of bleeding and a lot of surgery, and in fact, the other tube can be damaged. So just putting a patient on tablets may not necessarily do anything. Might make her ovulate, but a chance of falling pregnant with damaged tubes would be close to zero. So, so what would you suggest Anonymous does? I think she needs to be evaluated by somebody who understands and can deal with the problem, and... Uh, 
in so doing, they will establish the well-being of the tube and decide if tablets are appropriate or not. If the tubes are still damaged, then this patient needs to have uh, in vitro fertilization or test tube technology. Mm. Uh, Dr. Shingai, I have a few uh, questions here for you um, uh, directly. Someone wants to know... Um, um, how true is the opinion that women should freeze their eggs at the age of 35? Is, is this something that is encouraged? Uh, no, the, the short answer to that is no. Again, I think like uh, Dr. Jacobson was saying, you know, remember when, you, when you've got a problem with fertility issues, it's both the men and the women as we've been talking about. And I think we need to also become a bit positive about the fact that there are lots of options out there, including freezing of eggs if necessary. But the point is that when you have a problem with infertility, I think the positive idea is that if you really want to have a child, it's almost impossible for you not to have a child, provided you, but it does get expensive as it goes down the road. And the whole point is that we have to start, like we always say with our medical students, you start with the, the history, you have to find out both from the male and the woman what, what the situation is, whether they're trying to have children, how long they've been trying, whether they've had ectopics, whether they've had whatever. The next thing is to get a full examination, both for the man and the woman. Usually, any, uh, uh, any most GPs are fully adequate to do most of the investigations, but you often do need to go to a gynecologist for the female and possibly to a urologist for the male. And after that, for the female, there are a number of different tests, including the hormonal test, including the fact that they, uh, Dr. Jacobson was talking about what we call a, hyster- a hysterogram, where we use uh, we do X-rays to look if tubes are open and various other things. And for the guy, it's really the most important test to do the semen test to see what what sort of quality of the semen and the sperm are. But after that, there are lots of different options that can be used for for further for further management. The pills that they were talking about to increase the ovulation, they can sometimes even be used off-label in men. And men, we also have to recognize that there are some things like uh, what we call varicoceles and uh, undescended testicles. Varicoceles are basically some some blood vessels that are around the testicles that can increase the temperature. And the point is that we have to do it step by step. But if you, at the end of the day, let's put it this way, when you do get to the point where you have or do have a fertility problem, there's still so many options. Freezing of eggs is an option. Freezing of sperm is also is on, or preservation of sperm is also an option. And those can then be used for specific treatments such as, uh, I'm sure Dr. Davidson can expand on it. One of the ones that we use quite commonly is something called ICSI or intracytoplasmic sperm injection where you take a sperm and you inject it directly into the egg of the female. And that has up to a 40% chance that you're going to be able to fall pregnant, which is very effective for the majority of a large number of patients. And then even adoption at the end of the day, like Mrs. Pillay was talking about, that's also an option for a number of patients of people out there as well. So I think we mustn't just focus on the specific aspect like the cryopreservation or the sperm. It needs to be a full perspective, both for the for the family, the male and the female, as well as the whole family and the society as well. Mm. On that score, uh, Puso in Cape Town wants to know, where can men go for sperm fertility analysis? Uh, basically, they usually would have to go to a urologist for for that for an assessment of that. But there are a lot of uh, general practitioners and family practitioners who are also involved in that. And you can go directly to fertility clinics as well, such as Dr. Jacobson. But the thing is that you have to recognize that both the part both partners have to go in. It's not just about the man going in. The man and the woman have to go in. And similarly, a lot of guys think that only the woman must be checked. No, you also have to get the guy checked. But there basically a lot of the, there are lots of places that you can go and get these things sorted out. All right, and then uh, quite a few uh, other messages here, but let me take Mohammed in Durban first. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Sakina. 
Yes, Mohammed. Yeah, well, uh, I just want to talk about the infertility. My father married uh, my auntie. My auntie already four months divorced. They never have a children. And then them, those men who divorced my auntie, they married another woman and then they, uh, uh, then they got the children. So what happened? My father is already had uh, five children. His mother passed away. Then he was looking for another woman who can brought up his children. And then he knew this woman. Four men divorced her, she was not feeling pregnant. And then he proposed to her, she accepted him. She said, no, my friend, I'm infertile, I'm not going to have a children. And then he told her, no problem, my children, it will be your children. And then he married her. And then what happened? She fell pregnant. Mm. And then, yeah, and then she got a boy after nine months. And then she got it a girl after three years. And then she got another boy after three years. <laughs> Everybody called my auntie. I mean, the, the people they were calling him. What do you call an important woman, a barren woman? And then we got a nickname. Our family they call my father a rock brigniter. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, we lost Muhammad there. But you know what a story. But but I'm just wondering about you know the uh, psychological aspect of that because maybe because there was no more pressure because yes. everybody knew she was barren as they say uh, she was infertile she was not going to have children and maybe she was just relaxed and that's why it happened I don't know uh, uh, Mrs Pillay um, <laughs> my husband calls me a, a, a guy knee hopper because I go from one to the next to the next because I'm just of the firm opinion of getting many opinions and the one thing that all of them have told me is they've had patients that have because of PCOS have tried for so many years have adopted and often during the same year of adoption or or, or the subsequent you know the years to follow they fall pregnant Um, and it's and it's increasingly a story that many people tell but can I tell you the one thing is and I hope that this resonate resonates with other women you know some people can say to you I'm sorry. Like, oh, you, are you not pregnant? I'm sorry to hear that. Don't be sorry. We're on a journey of our own. We're on an ex- our experience and our journey is for us. Mm. Don't be sorry because many of us are quite happy um, exploring and seeing where this journey takes us. Um, I am a God-fearing person. I believe in the will of God. Um, and uh, I dream of this baby that I'm going to have. I don't know the sex. I can't see the face. But I see a lot of laughter and lots of hugging and kissing. And, and we're fine with that. And if the dream is going to be a reality soon, whether through pregnancy or adoption, it's going to happen. Please don't feel sorry for me or many other women in our position. We're going through this journey. Um, and, and, and that's the bottom line. That is so profound. Um, uh, let me read through some of the messages very quickly. Uh, Guda Mwandla says, I sense some naivety in people who attack a woman because she can't bear kids. Males, too, can have the same problem. Um, uh, say no to eat all says, uh, don't believe everything that doctors say. Contraception does play a role in women not having babies in the future, whether they agree or not. Okay. Uh, Ruthie Ram says, awkward when unemployed in-laws are 
are having babies left, right and center. And you have had many failed IVFs. Uh, Manza's uh, contribution is that culture has created a fear in me as a young woman who is black and would want to get married and have a child one day. Imagine, you know, already uh, uh, you, you are scared. You're fearful of this process. What if I can't? And I think that uh, must just be totally paralyzing. Um, Ambrogino uh, Twina says, my grandmother lost all her children she, uh, that she had in her marriage, and she was called a witch who ate her children. Mm. And shame on all of those who called her that. Uh, Zapisa Mokwena wants to know, is there public education on infertility because culture and tradition are to blame uh, for the stigma that we see in society? Uh, I'll get that answered in just a moment. I just want to read um, some of the SMSs. Uh, Buddha says, I'm 36 years of age and I was in a relationship for 14 years with my uh, fiancé who passed away last year because of endometriosis, but it was only picked up at a very severe stage. Uh, this one says, is such a discussion really necessary not being able to have children is just a fact of life there's no stigma except in uh, in unsophisticated communities well and then uh, this one from simon says well done krivani uh, trust in god and keep your head up and thanks for sharing a few more before i get back to the panel i'm a, i'm single and was unfortunately never in a relationship during my childbearing years um at least not with someone whom i thought would be a good and present father and then one um says and then one says, I was too old. My black colleagues actually shun me for choosing not to become a single struggling mother without a male role model to offer my child. And um, this one from Tabong says, a black community can be very cruel to a woman who can't bear children. And she's made to feel like a freak of nature. Even when you've adopted a child, you are still mocked for failing to bear your own child. Even when your husband is supportive, the in-laws will rub it in your face. And then um, uh, Shimane Mampane from Jane First in Limpopo says, uh, Hello, for me, it's very painful. No baby, but still the image of God 100% woman. Uh, that's from Shimane. Well, uh, uh, that's quite interesting, uh, those contributions. We'll come back and answer a few more questions, but for now we're going to take a break and we'll wrap it up when we return. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. And just before we get to wrap it up, a few more messages. Uh, Pura Jack says, I don't like the show for today. Pathetic people who are proud of nonsense, they must just get pregnant. And I guess that's the sort of insensitivity, uh, uh, you know, that most of our callers were talking about this morning um, uh, that Mrs. Pillay was sharing here with us. Uh, because the fact that you don't have a problem does not diminish another person's struggle Absolutely. with this particular condition. So I, I don't know what to say to you beyond that. All I can say is wow. But uh, let's try and wrap it up. Uh, let me start with you, Dr. Jacobson. Yeah, I think we've highlighted a lot of social issues, and I think uh, you've had some very um, sensitive and sensible callers. Uh, infertility is very definitely a disease-like condition, and every couple that has a problem deserves the benefit of careful evaluation, as was outlined, a good history, a good examination, and good planning of appropriate treatment by somebody who's both interested in and knowledgeable about the issues of infertility.
Mm. Uh, Dr. Shingai, and then perhaps if you could also just perhaps tell us, uh, um, you know, in response to that question about, you know, uh, uh, programs whereby the public could go and find out more information about infertility. There are a lot of websites that are available. There are many uh, lectures that are given by various infertility support groups um, around the country. I know of um, several groups, both in Johannesburg and Cape Town. I'm sure there are others dotted around the country. But many of the infertility um, um, patients have formed their own support groups and are very strong and very active in terms of arranging lectures, providing um, emotional and psychological support, and providing information where couples can find resources resources to help them deal with their problems. Mm. Uh, Dr. Shingai? Yeah, I think I would agree with Dr. Jacobs on that. The point is that I think we must try to break down that stigma a bit. I think it, uh, there are lots of places you can actually get support in private and in public health healthcare systems as well. But like Mrs. Pillay was saying, I think if, you don't, if you're not getting joy from one, one, one person or one group that's helping you, then maybe you should just uh, look for somebody else and get a second opinion. But there are lots of support groups. There's lots of places you can find help. And I think the positive thing is that whatever you, whatever you, if you do have a problem with fertility, there are many, many options out there nowadays. Mm. Um, just a quick one here from Sasa who says, my sister's been married for 20 plus years, uh, can't have kids, uh, wish I could help, but it will be a taboo if I'd even mention it. Mrs. Mm. Pillay? Oh, that's sad. Um, and I think that uh, going forward, I think my message to, to many people is um, whether or not uh, you have been diagnosed uh, with infertility or you're not infertile but having difficulty falling pregnant, like both the doctors have said, there are options out there. Seek them. But don't let it define who you are. Don't let the fact that you don't have a children just at this time um, to define who you are. And I'd like to, there was a point in my life where I was really down in the dumps. And, and because I'm, I'm, a, I'm generally a happy person and, and people can't see through the mask that I've made for myself, there was just this song that resonated with me. I love the song. And I'd like to dedicate it. It's just a few seconds that we'll play off it. But I'd really like to dedicate it to the many women out there who are on this journey with their partners or whether they're on this journey with, uh, you know, without uh, the support of family or friends um, like I have. Uh, this is from me to you. And, and here's to a baby boom uh, in the next couple of months. Hold on to me as we go. As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your
pay no attention to the demons that fill you with fear. And as the song says, uh, hold on to that dream and know that you are not alone. Well, thank you so much uh, to our guests this morning, uh, Dr. Jacobson and Dr. Shingai, and also to Mrs. Pillay for sharing and to you for participating as fantastically as you always do. Back tomorrow morning.